Located in downtown Louisville, Kentucky, you will find the historic Seelbach Hotel. The building was first opened in 1905 and has been frequented by notable guests throughout the years, even inspiring the work of famous author F. Scott Fitzgerald. The hotel became known as one of the finest in the United States at the time, drawing in the well-to-do crowd. Though luxurious and ornate, a tragic history lies within the walls of this grand structure. Strolling through the lobby, you find yourself mesmerized by the architecture. You lean in to inspect further, but are cut off by the sound of boisterous laughter coming behind you. You whirl around to find the source. There is a light coming from a room off the lobby, and you swear you can see a thin layer of smoke in the air. Alarmed, you begin walking towards the closed doors. You reach for the handle, pull back the door, and... You find yourself staring into a dark, now quiet room. Perplexed, you furrow your eyebrows attempting to make sense of what you saw, or maybe what you thought you saw. You are interrupted by the sound of a woman crying nearby. While your brain continues to rationalize, you inspect this sound with a little more caution. You follow the sound down a hall until you reach the elevator doors. You lift your finger towards the buttons and the crying abruptly stops. You hover over the round plastic up symbol, listening closely for something anything. When nothing comes, you lower your hand, not willing to investigate any further. As you turn your back on the elevator, you hear the familiar sound of the metal doors sliding open. You stop mid-stride. You did not want to look, but your reflex to turn around came faster than the instinct to run. As you look back into the opening, you are met with a bloody, mangled sight. You open your mouth to scream, just before everything goes black. and have my banana back i want to make sure i'm <laughs> i'm just instead of i don't know fixing my posture i guess i'll just take the microphone <laughs> down to match my banana back oh my god part of me was like i'll sit up straight no i won't straighten your back you banana shaped f i choose I, you know i wake up every morning i choose to sit like this i choose chaos for my spine Hello, you are listening to Or So They Say, the podcast where two sisters travel small town America, one ghostly tale at a time. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Megan. Like always, like every single time. <laughs> what? I, I'm just saying, it's, it's always can, us. We can't mix it up ever. I know. No, we can't. It would, it would throw me off, honestly. It would mess up my groove we were just talking about that movie <laughs> oh yeah but i thought we had already quoted it so that's why i chose I, not. no i don't think we quoted emperor's new groove what was the quote we even said don't know don't care How oh does yeah that sound? right right which i guess we're coming right out of the gate with the movie quote so i guess i should say was it the last episode that you couldn't figure out what yes, movie okay <laughs> i think so Guys, we, I was talking about The Labyrinth, like Jim Henson's The Labyrinth. It's in the very beginning you know, when... David Bowie. Yeah, David Bowie and David Bowie's and pants. All his Starring David shots. Bowie's crotch. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it... Um, yeah, she like her. She's mad at her stepmom because she was asked to watch the freaking baby, and she's like, she did the thing that I'm not going to do. I hate you, line. <laughs> I hate you. Well, you <laughs> and did throws, it anyway. Yeah, I did it anyway. So. And she throws herself on the bed. Anyway, like she's right over dramatic, just like me. Anyway, hi, what's up? <laughs> oh, nothing. Sorry, I, I had nothing clever to say. I thought I, I could, and I didn't. You blissed out for a second. I lost you there. I know. I'm like. 
Zoning out. I'm not going to get focused on your porch lights again like I did last time. Oh, yeah. I have Christmas lights up now, and they're much brighter than I anticipated. (laughs) They're very bright, uh, but it's fine. Anyway, we're getting off topic, and we haven't even started the topic, which what is the topic for today's episode, Megan? Today, we're discussing the Sealbach Hilton. (laughs) I like how I showed you the notes just in case you might have forgotten. Well, I know the Sealbach, but... Yeah, it's, it's, it's technically the Sealbach Hilton. Yes, in Louisville, Kentucky. We went out of Indiana for this one. Yay. Yay, but Terre Haute's in such an odd spot that, like, even Kentucky's really not that. It's like a day trip. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, it was, what, three hours? Yeah. A little, yeah, give or take. Yeah, it was with a fun no little. stops. And I think we have a couple of listeners in Kentucky, so hey, what's up? Yeah, hey, what's happening? It was fun. It was good. <laughs> I wish we could have stayed longer. Yeah, there were a lot of places that, as we were leaving, we're like, "Man, I didn't even think about this," or "No, I know about that." And yeah, no, Louisville was really cool. I wish we would have had more time because there was a lot of places. Well, and the big one that everyone's like, "Did you go to uh, Waverly Hills?" And we're like, "No, No. (laughs) we did not." But that's not to say that it won't happen in the future. Eventually. No, I really want to go. That's not even a spoiler. Like, I feel like right. I definitely want to go to that. That's on our to-do list. I feel like it always, it has been for quite some time. It's just never been the right time to go. Right. We'll get, we'll get there. Anyway. Okay. So, Sealbach Hilton. Uh, I just about jumped right into I it. I say I was about to stop you like, no, you don't. I know. And I'm actually thirsty, so I'm mad that I almost skipped this. We have a drink today that we're pairing with this. We're back. I think we did a beer on the last episode. Sorry, we're doing a beer again. Sorry, Megan. Well, I was trying to find a wine, and we could have went a lot of ways with it, but within my price range, <laughs> um, we were looking at, like, Oliver's Blueberry Moscato, <laughs> and that's not fun. Or Barefoot Blueberry anyway. Moscato. Just, like, basically, the. well, okay, I, now I feel like we're jumping ahead. Like, my thought processes are all over the place. Let's say this. So, the Sealbach Hilton is supposed to be, as you heard from the... Uh, intro a little bit it's supposed to be haunted by the lady in blue the blue lady mm-hmm. lady in the blue dress whatever right. i think she's just the blue lady yes yeah that's what they refer to her to yeah so but there are so many ways and you'll learn you'll learn as i discuss the history today there are so many ways we could have taken this and so many alcohols we could have fi- found mm-hmm. um but weirdly, it was fi- hard to find one to match, like, anything. I felt confident in some of the, the points of mm-hmm. the history and just... Finding something to match it? Yeah, couldn't come up with anything super great. So, instead of going with, like, a born Not that... I mean, I like Oliver's blueberry Moscato, that slaps, yeah. That's wonderful. But it's not, you know, off it, the wall. It's not smaller... I, mean, I don't know I, Oliver's small but whatever it doesn't we just didn't want to do it because we're super familiar with it yeah it didn't seem fun so instead we are doing a beer again which I'm super here for and this is we went we always try to get some like kooky like out there ones I'm mad that mm-hmm. I used the word kooky but I couldn't think of anything <laughs> else um things that look interesting even to us so this is the bumbleberry honey blueberry ale from fatheads brewery and uh he got a fat head he does the (laughs) artwork is like just a fat head with a mustache and sunglasses but like made into a bee it's a little little bee feelers yeah it's a little unsettling so (laughs) 
the color's really pretty. It's this nice, like, deep purpley blue. Yeah. So and I mean, nice. that's, that's why we chose it. Honey, blue berry ale. We're going with the blue chiffon dress here. So <laughs> that's, it. maybe it was a stretch, but it sounds really good. Uh, what does it say here? Brewed with plump. Oh, God. Oh, and it's, I, uh, it says award winning. Oh, yeah. It says most beer. refreshing beer in America, which, like, that's in the eye of the beholder so that is an opinion but i'm gonna read you're gonna make me say that awful word again i'm gonna read the description here on the can oh, sorry <laughs> i don't know why i hate this word i hate a lot of weird words i i don't know why it's oh god it says brewed with i like i don't brewed with plump blueberries <laughs> blueberries and honey stolen from some very angry bees this is a highly refreshing ale with delicious blueberry aroma and a hint of sweetness on the finish chill out man have a beer matt chris and glenn thank you y'all matt chris and glenn (laughs) at fatheads brewery so this was was this a six pack and it ended up being around like the eleven dollar mark. Yep. So that's yeah, it was not 10.99. bad. It's uh nowhere near underground mountain, but this is a five point three percent ABV, so that's cool. Oh god, um, underground anything mountain. Else? That still haunts me a little bit. This is oh, it looks like the brewery's from Middleburg Heights, Ohio. I know. So not I too like far keep away. Spinning the can, I want to make sure we get everything. So yeah, the can looks really cool. The beer is actually like semi chilled this time yay (laughs) uh let's just give it a drink i'm thirsty and it sounds really good okay oh ready three two one well that got on my finger me too oh god that smells it's Mm. it does not the immediate smell smells like to me fresh blueberries it doesn't smell artificial and i think that's what i like is it just smells like a can full of blueberries and honey like they got the aroma spot on if you think of like a blueberry pie Mm-hmm. but chilled yes <laughs> that's the only way i can think of it yeah so let's taste it and see oh the finish is so good this is so refreshing you know wow wow they are not like like when they say award-winning i i they might you. actually be right <laughs> it's got that really malty uh when you first take the drink it's got the malt on it i think you get the hops right out the gate but then it finishes into like that almost i'm like a chilled blueberry blueberry pie pie. it honest to god tastes like a chilled blueberry pie and when she says hops it's not super hoppy on the front this is just like a lager again basically it's very good I would choose wine over beer. I really wanted a, a wine for this only because we did a beer last episode too but this is so delicious look at you look at you i know see the thing is like i'm gonna say it's my favorite beer for sure yes see i don't hate wine megan doesn't hate beer we both just like the other more but yeah i really got megan on this one it just well and i don't i had never heard of this no i hadn't either this brewery or anything but the way it finishes it really does it's not even just the blueberry like it's very strong blueberry but mixed with like everything else you get almost like the crust and you get the mm-hmm. ah, the freshness and the of honey it. cuts the tartness of what would be the blueberry mm-hmm. like so it all they did something wonderful here <laughs> this is really good and i know it's a little i would say out of season you know we're still in yeah. december here this isn't i wouldn't consider this a winter beer it's definitely like spring summertime mm-hmm. but uh i ain't mad at it i'm not mad at all very good yay very good 10 out of 10 would recommend go get 
bumbleberry honey blueberry ale from Fatheads Brewery. Do it. Creepy fat bee man on the can. I feel like the only one next to this. Well, it'd kind of be a toss up between this and do you remember Black Widow? Oh yeah, that that blackberry cider. Mm-hmm. Also wonderful. Wonderful. Yes. Okay. I think that's that's good on the beer. Yep. Yep. Okay. So I have the history and background this week. And thank goodness for the Sealbach Hilton because they took almost all of the guesswork out for uh, me doing yeah. the research. I mean, I could have done more research, but honestly, they covered it so well. So let's just start with, let's start from the beginning, shall we? Mm-hmm. So we drive all the way to Louisville, pull up, and this hotel looks cool. It's like, it's weird because it feels like it's on this little side street mm-hmm. that like, if you're not paying attention, you're not going to see it. But then you walk in and the lobby is nuts. Grandiose. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> and you'll, I mean, I'll talk about why, but it is just so over the top. And there's this big old like Christmas tree. Like, it feels like in Home Alone, whatever, yep. uh, hotel they're in in chicago or it's in new york isn't it isn't home alone too when he goes to new york yes yeah yeah you're right he stays in the hotel (sighs) and freaking god i hate what a (laughs) freaking douchebag orange mcgee ruined that whole scene can't believe what a poor choice on their part they could never could have known wandering alone in new york city and he's like oh that way oh yeah (laughs) oh what is it down the hall to the left nobody cares Man, anyway. anyway. All right, so we're back. Um, big lobby, big Christmas tree, big decorations. Like, everything is so ornate, but not super over the top. It didn't feel, like, overwhelming. It was just really cool. It was just... Elegant. Re- yeah, elegant. Anyway, so we take everything in. We take the whole lobby in, and the concierge was very nice, and she was just, like, asked if we were checking in, asked for the name, blah, 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 the whole the whole thing. And she was like, oh, so why are you guys in, in Louisville? Like, what are you guys here for? And I got really sheepish, and I don't know why. Eventually, we need to just stop being sheepish about what we're doing. Well, they had, like, a... There was an electronic display in the lobby, and it was, like showing different things about the hotel like the restaurant and things but then it said like it had a picture of like a really cartoonish ghost and oh, it said yeah. the blue lady and so when she's asking us what are you guys here for and kelsey's like mm, uh well because yeah, i actually didn't see this i think because i was the one it was under my name i was the one checking in and megan's just kind of looking around she saw this i didn't i didn't realize how prevalent this ghost was to them because i was like uh so we do a podcast and she's like oh what about and we're like uh we're here for the blue lady and she was like oh and like (laughs) got behind the counter and like grabbed paperwork grabbed pamphlets handed me all these things she's like and like pointed over to this this uh, electronic display that megan had been looking at Mm -hmm. and she's like oh we've got we've got um guided tours through here we've got a video that plays talking about her we've got and i was like wow okay she's like make sure you turn on your tv when you get in your room we loop a video of the history of the the hotel and right and she's definitely like what's the name of your podcast and yeah she asked for the name of the podcast so we told her i showed her i pulled up 
uh, my Spotify and told her what it was. And we explained. She like took a picture of it, didn't she? I think so. Yeah, we explained the whole premise of the podcast, which you guys hear all the time. So I'm not going to go over it. But she was really, she thought it was really cool. And she's like, yeah, let us know, like tag us, whatever. She was all about it. So all that to say, she literally handed me what I'm holding right now, which is like a stapled packet of the seal box history, including the blue lady told us about the video that's going to play in the room that there were guided tours, just, just a whole lot. So yeah, she took the guest work out for me and I'm really just going to use this pamphlet mostly because like I said, I could have done more research, but really it's all pretty much here. Right. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right. So we'll just, let's start from the beginning, shall we? It says that Immigrant Brothers Lewis and Otto Seelbach's version of the American Dream, Louisville's Grand Hotel, was built in 1905. So, it's old. So, it's been around for a hot minute. And it's, I mean, it's a really ornate hotel. It's going to get into it. But I think because it's so fancy and over the top, and I'm, Louisville must have been a hub back then, because it's seen different celebrities such as President William Howard Taft, Woodrow Wilson, Franklin Roosevelt, Harry Truman, John F. Kennedy, Lyndon Johnson, Jimmy Carter, and Bill Clinton have all been guests there. Oh, just casually. Yeah, so and and a bunch of other celebrities, which we'll get into here very soon. So W.J. Dodd of Louisville and F.M. Andrews of Dayton, Ohio designed the seal block. The richly decorated lobby combined marbles from Italy, Vermont, and Switzerland, along with mahogany and bronze in the classic Renaissance style, including a vaulted dome of 800 glass panes. Arthur Thomas, the most famous Indian painter in the world, I didn't look, I should have looked into, again, I have the beholder, that's an opinion. But anyway... Uh, most famous Indian painter in the world was commissioned to decorate the lobby with huge mur- mural paintings of pioneer scenes from Kentucky from Kentucky history. I don't know how I f- feel about that. He, like, are they saying he's uh, American Indian or is he? So that's the th- Honestly, I almost want you to look it up while we're sitting here. It says Arthur Thomas, the most famous Indian painter. And here's the thing. They're not saying... American Indian. They didn't say Native American. It says Indian. I feel like they should have been a little more specific here. Arthur Thomas, mural painter. He was a painter of North American Indians and well-known ceiling mural artist. Uh, It did say he immigrated to the United States, but just a quick glance. It doesn't say from where. I mean, we could get into it, but it sounds like he, he painted the most it says yeah that's that's just very poorly worded arthur thomas comma the most famous indian painter in the world comma was commissioned to decorate the lobby with huge mural mural paintings why can't i say that of pioneer scenes from kentucky history okay whatever point is dude's a good painter doesn't matter um, in 1925 f scott fitzgerald immortalized the hotel in his novel the great gatsby Fitzgerald referred to the Seelbach when his characters Tom Buchanan and Daisy were married in Louisville. Yeah, because I think, I think it gets covered in here. There's like a big ballroom area. He stayed here and just, I don't know, freaking fell in love with this hotel. I don't know what it was, it, but mm-hmm. that's how the Great Gatsby came to be. And I'm guessing because of how ornate it was, all of these super fancy things. Like, it's just a very cool hotel. Let's see. Louis Seelbach died in 1925, so just 20 years after it opened, and in 1928, Otto Seelbach retired and died four years later, so... Ah, yes. I know, yikes. In 1968, 
so it had had at that point been open 63 years i don't know it it had new management and it the they remodeled it and i guess they just whoever was managing it didn't know what they were doing because the loss of revenues by 1968 forced it to close forced the seal box to close oh yikes yeah so as i was reading this you'll see it goes through a million owners and all i could think of was 14 hands again this uh, yeah <laughs> because it passed hands so many times so we've already had lewis and auto Sealbach. it gets new management by 1968 now in 1978 so it sat closed for 10 years um new owners hg wittenberg jr and Roger Davis, who was an actor, began renovation with financial backing from Metropolitan Life Insurance Company. The cost for it was more than $28 million in the in, 70s. And oh. I'm sure that, like, the inflation rates are pretty pretty uh, notable, even from 1978 to now. My guess is you're looking at, what, like, $40 million there? 30 from to 40 million. $28 million in 1978? Yeah, $28 million in 1978. Let's find out. I know. Actually, I do want you to find out because you're going to hear a couple numbers as I go. Like, the amount of money that was put into this hotel is insane. Because I don't know how much it cost to initially build it. Oh, you're you're a little off. <laughs> it's a... Uh, 30? It's the equivalent in purchasing power to about 11754 <gasps> Oh. No, what? you're a liar. What? Okay. Well, because I put in $28 million and it's like, you want to calculate 28000 No, there's three more zeros there, homeboy. Okay. So, okay, it was close. After I added the three zeros, mm-hmm. I got to make sure that's enough zeros. One, two, three. That mm-hmm. is $115,865,893 and a mere 72 cents. I just want to say, I almost, I almost don't want to get into it. That's only 42 years ago. Um, and minimum wage is still seven twenty five an hour. Okay. Mm, anyway, moving nice. on. What a joke. I can't. I can't right now. Okay. So they started the renovations in 1978, $28 million in renovations. Like, mm-hmm. I have no idea. I couldn't find how much it was initially built for, but keeping in mind there is marble from Italy, Vermont, and Switzerland. Uh, what did they say? 800 beveled glass panes in the dome of the, the like lobby the, the lobby yeah, yeah. mural hand painted murals by the most famous painters in the world like we're already racking up some serious money here and it took until april 1982 so four years for the seal box to reopen in 1984 the metropolitan gained control of the hotel and bought it out and then the hotel was managed by National Hotels Corporation, which is a subsidiary of Radisson Hotels, and was also managed by Doubletree Hotels. So just lots of hands in the freaking pot here, and like, whatever, that was their stuff to figure out. Yeah. Uh, In April 1990, the Sealbach was sold to Medallion Hotels. And that's 1978 to 1990. I I lost count of how many people we even did there. Mm Mm-hmm. They added, sorry, they added an 18,500 square foot, $5.6 million conference center in 1995. You don't have to keep doing inflation on that if you don't want to, but just for kicks, like, let's go ahead and do that. that. Just one more time. $5.6 million, and that was in 1995. Because, like I said, keep track of these numbers because I was writing them down as I went. That's still pretty hefty. It almost, it gets close to doubling it. It's 9,612,000. 725 an hour. (laughs) (laughs) 
So what? Nine million hundred. We're at like now 120 million essentially. Nine million plus. No, you're close to like a hundred and well, 115 million plus nine million would be 100, 125 million, right. give yeah. or take. Okay, and that's just in renovations. That's just off of like what was already existing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maristar Hotels and Resorts purchased the Seal Block in 1998. Uh, so another eight years and we've got a new owner. Yay. They began a $7 million restoration process of all guest rooms and placed it under the Hilton flag. So $7 million in 1998. Let's just round it up to eight, $9 million again, probably. $7 million in 1998 is yes. $11 million. Oh, God. And now, so 137 million. $137 million in renovations in today's money on this hotel with marble floors and brass inlays and just stained glass murals and, and don't oh my gosh the chandelier I'm, I'm gonna get there it's actually all in here so that's kind of the just the all around of the hotel as a whole and now it's going to get into each of the rooms so it says starting with the lobby the lobby you know it was built back in 1905 the whole thing was back in 1905 and it says thanks to mr rogers davis who was the the actor one of the owners, one of the oh. million owners of this place, mm-hmm. one of the original owners. And it said that the ho- the lobby today looks a lot like it how it did in 1905, thanks to him. It said he peeled back 16 coats of paint, six layers of wallpaper, and over 40 years of changes and additions to return the lobby to its original resplendent grandeur. Grandeur. So, Good. no, he wasn't 1905. He was the one in the 1970s. I believe. Yeah. I don't want to go back. But but yeah, he got it to look. It ve- looks very close to how it did from its original concept. That's kind of so, cool. So thanks for that. Because yeah. it's, it's very elegant, but this sounds silly. It's like almost kind of timeless mm-hmm. where... Oh, yeah. I feel like in 1905, that had to have been just cutting edge. Oh, absolutely. But today, I'd still believe someone could have built it recently, but given it that kind of old timely old feel. rich feel yeah okay yeah this and this just goes into detail of just exactly what went into building this building the Seelbach brothers spared no expense in decorating their grand hotel and the lobby is a perfect example they selected the finest marbles from all over the world they imported green and white marble for the walls from italy and the rose marble from switzerland the massive gray columns were covered in the finest vermont vermont marble and banded in french bronze they had the entire grill work and railings fabricated in France and capped with West Indian mahogany. My goodness. Uh-huh. In keeping with this fine craftsmanship, Mr. Davis removed the terrazzo floor, which had replaced the original marble floor in the 1950s, and replaced it with snow-white Alabama marble. Goodness. This is just insane. This is insane. If you stand in the lobby and look up and see the beautiful skylight with its 800 individual panes of beveled glass, it's because Mr. Davis was... Wait, wow, they didn't... The grammar here is something. It's if you stand in the lobby and look up and you see the beautiful sky... Whatever, there's 800 individual panes of beveled glass in the skylight of the lobby. And then it says, because Mr. Davis was unable to reopen the skylight, he purchased and hung... See, so we've, like, missed why it's not there. That's a little confusing. They missed some information there. So I guess you can't see the beveled glass anymore. They covered it. I feel like we would have noticed it. Like, Mm -hmm. I took... I was looking... Everywhere. Yes, there's so much to take in, but... I feel like something that massive we would have noticed. I don't remember seeing it. Right. Well, what you probably remember is the chandeliers because that's what it was replaced with. It says he purchased 
purchased and hung the two massive five-tiered bronze and crystal chandeliers, which originally hung in the Phoenix Hotel in Lexington. Ironically, that hotel was also owned by a seal block brother, Charles. Oh. Um, and then surrounding the top of the lobby are the beautiful murals by Arthur Thomas depicting scenes from Kentucky's history. So you they come and swing in. Like, the lobby is just chock full of the most expensive, ridiculous things. But right. totally worth it. Very, very cool entrance. The murals, which crowned the lobby, were commissioned by the Seelbach brothers during the original construction of the hotel in 1905. They were executed by Arthur Thomas. We know all this. Unfortunately, these paintings... This... <laughs> I'm just going to read it. I made a little note here, and it's kind of funny. Unfortunately, these paintings were hidden from view for nearly 20 years. In the early 1960s, in an attempt to modernize the lobby, the murals were covered over and the ceiling dropped. And in the late 1960s... Yes, I'm like, people in the 60s and 70s... ceiling. They dropped the ceiling in that hotel. Like, just think about it. Jesus. Mm -hmm. Covered the murals and dropped the ceilings. We also added popcorn texture to the walls. Oh my God. In the late 1970s, an investor purchased the hotel and rediscovered the murals. Mr. Thomas's works were very popular at this time, and in an attempt to make a little money, he tried to remove the small mural in the southwest corner. The only thing he succeeded in doing was completely destroying the mural. Like, that's in the history of this. Like, they did not even sugarcoat that. They're like, the only thing he was good at was destroying historic artifacts. Thanks. (laughs) Like, I put savage. Like, what (laughs) they they were not even trying to hide the fact that they are so salty with this guy. Yeah, Yeah. he just wanted to make a buck, so he tried to take the mural off the wall and destroyed it. It doesn't exist anymore. That's what you get. Yeah. In the early 1980s, when Roger Davis began his restoration of the hotel, he had the murals painstakingly uncovered and cleaned. Because no image of the destroyed original existed, he commissioned a California artist to paint a mirror image of the panel above the bell stand to replace the one which was destroyed. So, I mean, they got a new one. It's just, yeah, it's not the same as the original. lost, you know? Yeah. Yeah. God. People Poop. suck. Sorry, I'm, like, going into deep detail about the hotel, but I guess that's, it's just the history of this hotel we'll get to the history of the blue lady um but it's this hotel it is the history it is the history there's right just so much to it and i mean all of the people that went at, in and out of there which actually i'm going to cover with this little section about the oak room or what i believe was the speakeasy that was in the basement of the hotel it says that the Oak Room, which now serves as Kentucky's only AAA five-diamond restaurant, so fancy, uh, was <laughs> added to the hotel during the 1907 building project as a gentleman's billiard hall. Mm. This room was originally off-limits to women because proper ladies did not play billiards. It offered a private bar and card room which in which gentlemen could relax. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Nice. Like, sounds about right. <laughs> Figures. <laughs> That's... <laughs> Anyway, uh, the Oak Room contains a private dining area called the Al Capone Room. And unlike the jail inn, there's actually a reason for this. It's because Al Capone frequented this place a mm-hmm. lot. Like it was it was his stop between between like Chicago and whatever the FLs is. North of Indiana. Like he just came through Louisville a lot. So he would stop here enough that they named the room after him. I feel like this is the third episode in a row. We've that we've talked about Capone. Up? Yeah. Yeah. Or he's yeah. been connected somehow. Yeah, because did we did we talk about that he was at the dinner bill that was ran by a family? I don't think we've ever mentioned that. Oh, 
Yeah, I believe. Yeah. Well, there you go. One of our ancestors ran a bed and, and breakfast here in Terre Haute called the Dinner Bell. And it was also like just just like the seal block was a stopping point for a lot of, I mean, gangsters at the time, uh-huh. uh, Al Capone, things like that. They also stopped at the Dinner Bell. Wouldn't you know it? The more you know. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. The Oak Room contains a private dining area called Al Capone. This room is originally served as a card room equipped with its own secret exit to the street. A small panel in the southwest wall, which has long been boarded up, served as a quick getaway for many famous gangsters, Mr. Capone included. Mm -hmm. So, like, I mean, yeah, they were gangsters. People were after them. If a a tussle started to occur, he could just, like, slip out the back. Yeah. (laughs) It doesn't say it here, but I feel like I remember in the video it talked about how he like to sit with it what was it he liked to sit with the mirror like oh. facing the mirror or with his back to the mirror i feel no i think he liked to sit facing the mirror he liked to sit facing the mirror and people speculated it was because he wanted to cheat and see the hands of the people behind like in front of the mirror uh-huh. like if, oh, that yeah. ma- if that makes sense it, like if you can visualize uh the mirror is behind the other people so you could see the cards in their hands but really that was the speculation but I think the claim is actually that he did that so he could always watch his back so he could see if someone was coming up on him because, I mean, he was a very sought-after man. Right. Probably both. Uh, Probably both. (laughs) Next is the Grand Ballroom, which was immortalized by F. Scott Fitzgerald in The Great Gatsby as the wedding locale of Tom and Daisy Buchanan. Um, It was added to the hotel during the 1907 edition and served as the hotel's original ballroom. Because it had undergone undergone many renovations, it was not until 1982 that it took on its current appearance. Uh, Mr. Davis again redesigned the 4,900-square-foot ballroom in the Beau Arts style with marble uh, pilasters. Is that a thing? That's what it says. Sure. Marble pilasters, crystal chandeliers, and palladium windows to keep it in line with the original architecture of the building and to create a feeling of elegance. Uh, The main focal piece of the West Ballroom is an 18th century mantelpiece, which was salvaged from a private home in Philadelphia. (sighs) More numbers. In 1999, the ballroom and foyer underwent a $700,000 restoration, but 1999, it might be a million dollars. I wouldn't bother with it if you don't want to. Oh, 1999. Yeah. $700,000 in 1999 is probably roughly a million now, I would guess. I'm not a good guesser, Wait, though. 700000 correct? Correct. Why? Yeah, you're right. It's like just shy of $1.1 1. 1 Look at me. Well, that's, I was looking at the number. I'm like, that can't be right. I missed a zero. So. Yeah. Um, but that included a complete restoration and repainting of all the ornate plaster and millwork. New custom-made draperies were hung and specially designed carpeting laid, made by the Axminister Carpet Company in London. Like, again, sparing absolutely no expense. It's setting the standard of elegance as Louisville's oldest hotel ballroom. I will admit. I am kind of bummed we didn't go in this. I know. Um, I wish we would have. I think it was just a time issue. We got there late at night, had to leave early. Yeah. Um, but the Rathskeller, uh, the Rathskeller would have been so cool. I'm telling you what. Well, it, and I think we were so focused on the Blue Lady and we didn't really know the history beyond that. So. Yeah, we yeah we were really focused on the Blue Lady and where she's at, which like spoilers is none of these places like she she's in the building people saw her around i do still just like the history of the hotel so hopefully this isn't boring all of you i thought it was very interesting and if you get a chance to go uh go because it's it's just a lot to take in so anyway 
a little bit on the Rathskeller here. This reproduction of an authentic German Rathskeller is the only surviving complete Rookwood pottery room in the world. This room, modeled after the social halls of Germany found in the cellars of the Rothaus or City Hall, hence its name, was added to the hotel during the edition of 1907 at a cost of $80,000. $80,000 in 1907, though? Ooh, okay, now. Yeah, we're now we're getting into some up. serious numbers. 1907. Yeah, and actually I've lost count. Let, let's just say we're at 150 you know million what? at this point. I can't even go back that far. It's only letting me go back to 1914, but $80,000 in 1914, seven mm-hmm. years later, is two million. Oh my gosh, yeah, so it's got to be like five million in 1907. It's pretty high. Yeah. I don't know if it's quite that high, somewhere between two and five maybe, but... Yeah. It's just a ton of money. All the tile work was made by hand at the famed Rookwood Pottery of Cincinnati. The designs on each tile are drawn by hand and fired. Then each color is added and fired again, requiring an additional firing for each color. The final product is the beautiful and durable tiles that adorn this room. Keeping all of that in mind... It is, what did I say? It's the only surviving complete Rookwood pottery room in the world. The entire room is made up of these tiles. Like, uh-huh. I'm not every single thing, but it's like, right. God, the, that's so much work. That is insane. That's insane. Right. A little more, the open medallions in the ceiling and side of wall, side walls of the room were for its heating and cooling system. When the room opened in 1907, the hotel used 40 tons of steam power to air condition the room. This allowed the Seelbach brothers to claim that they could keep the room 10 degrees cooler than it was outside at all times and that it was replaced with fresh air every five minutes. They pumped in 40 tons of steam power to keep that room 10 degrees cooler than outside. Like, uh, how must it be to be that wealthy? (laughs) Right. And uh, there's just a tiny bit more on the Rathskeller, which I like, I literally just highlighted this one thing. It was one more number, which is just the clock and the foyer of the Rathskeller cost $10,000. 1907 still i assume is when that was yeah i'm guessing yeah ten thousand dollar clock in 1907 in 1914 it says two hundred fifty six thousand dollars so like four hundred thousand dollar clock three yeah they were just gifted a four hundred thousand dollar clock casual (laughs) and then the room considered the night spot in louisville attracted a young army officer during world war one by the name of F. Scott Fitzgerald, considered one of the greatest American authors of the 20th century. He later included the Seelbach Hotel in in his book, The Great Gatsby. So, lots of history in this place, lots of money in this place, lots of money in this place. So, what we were were looking at, upwards of $200 million spent, and that's just in additions. Yeah. That was 1907 past. Think about to build the original hotel in the first place in 1905 this has to be i i feel like it would not be insane to say 750 million to a billion dollar hotel in today's money after everything's said and done yeah sure yeah i it's a heck of a hotel can't even fathom and yeah (laughs) people can't fathom those amounts people cannot fathom those amounts so obviously lots of history on the hotel hopefully not too boring but i like i said i think it's interesting so now you're wondering after all of that where's the lady in blue where's the haunted stuff came here for ghost right 
there is I, for as much as they highlight when you walk in it's like there's the blue lady there's tours there's all of this mm-hmm. it's kind of just a drop in the bucket compared to everything else going on there is a little bit of history which i'm gonna read now but really it kind of pales in comparison to just the hotel as a whole yeah yeah so but i mean it's still very prominent and you'll see even though it's just a small tidbit of the hotel it you'll see why it's prominent so this is the tale of the lady in blue on a cold winter day in 1987 uh, a hotel chef was preparing waffles and omelets in the oak room ante room for sunday brunch he looked out towards the number three elevator and to his surprise he saw a lady with long dark hair wearing a long blue chiffon dress walk into the elevator the doors were closed so she just walked through the doors as uh, we do yeah you know he reported what he observed to security But within minutes of his report, a housekeeper from the second floor reported seeing the same lady. In both reports, the doors to the elevator were never open. So Mm. within within minutes, and I think that's interesting, one guy on a completely different floor saw her walk through the doors of the elevator three shaft. Mm -hmm. And then just moments later, a woman on a different level saw her walk out of the elevator of the number three shaft. You're all here because you may or may not believe in ghosts, but like that's... They did not conspire before that, I guarantee. Right. A trip to the local library produced a newspaper article from 1936 where a lady working... So it seems like they saw this and then they did their research and found at the local library a newspaper article from 1936 where a lady working at the Starks building came across the street to the Seelbach Hotel to meet her husband. He, unfortunately, was killed on the way to the hotel. She found out and was so upset that she plunged to her death in the number three elevator shaft wearing a long blue chiffon dress she also had long dark hair i feel like they told this and then learned that a woman had plunged to her death out of grief of her husband being killed in the Mm. number three elevator shaft in a blue chiffon dress with long dark hair that's some pretty nuts coincidences if you ask me yeah be crazy so so yeah that's kind of the whole that's the lady in blue i kind of again we were on a time crunch i'm kind of bummed we did not get to go on that guided tour about the lady in blue i don't know my understanding is that she wasn't staying there or anything like like you heard there's the oak room there's the ballroom there's the rathskeller there's all these places that people who aren't necessarily staying in the hotel can go to gather and hang out and do whatever so she was just meeting her husband there for something I don't know what, though, because, yeah, they said she plunged down uh, 10 stories is what I heard. 10 stories down to her death, which means she was at the very top of the hotel Mm -hmm. and just jumped on down. (laughs) So, unfortunately, that's all the Seelbach Hilton's pamphlet really had to offer on the Blue Lady. And if I remember the video on the TV and everything, it really didn't go much past that either. Mm -mm. But... That's not to say that there isn't more. Yes. (laughs) Did a little research outside of what the Seelbach had to offer. Mm -hmm. And there's an article that we found from, this is back in 2016, written by Nancy Stearns Thice. Uh Uh-huh. Yes. Thice, yes. (laughs) Say with confidence. So she said, last year I wrote about the Verna Gar-Taylor murder case on November 6, 1936, which, if you remember, is the year that they say the Blue Lady died, so that, like, killed herself, was found in a ditch along Highway 146 in Henry County with a bullet hole in her chest. Brigadier General and ex-Lieutenant Governor Harry Denhart was the accused. 
1937, the trial began in Henry County, but a hung jury forced a retrial in Shelbyville. On the night before the trial, Denhart was gunned down by Vernagar Taylor's brothers. Uh, what I didn't know until after I wrote that story was that there was a murder investigation underway that linked Denhart to another homicide at the Seelbach Hotel in Louisville. Dun, Who would have guessed? Yeah. I came across the information through Ian Punnett, who visited last summer shortly after I wrote the article. He was researching information on the Dunhart case, informed me about the lady in blue, and that she died in the elevator shaft, blue gown, dark hair, all that good stuff. Of course, this leads me to an interview with the Seelbach historian Larry Johnson, which seems like a national treasure. We did not meet him, but he's he's actually the one who was doing the uh video, video that played on the tvs in all the rooms and it loops so many times i just when i saw his picture i'm like Aw. he made me happy yeah he also <laughs> wrote he actually wrote a book called the seal Bach, a centennial salute to louisville's grand hotel like this guy is just basically a historian he's like a he is it says he's a he, historian. he is the historian for this hotel uh it's full of fascinating facts stories ghost tales around the hotel and in the following interview johnson related some of the stories about the lady in blue and i'm not going to reread it because it talks about uh the guy cooking breakfast saw her walk through the thing the housekeeper saw her walk through the elevator that another doorman researched and found 1936 information about uh the woman in blue which actually her name was patricia wilson i'm surprised the seal box pamphlet didn't mention that i think it mentioned it in their little video that's what i was wondering yeah i'm getting confused on what's in the packet and what was on the video but yeah the woman's name supposed lady in blue her name was patricia wilson uh and it says she died following down the shaft of the seal hotel and it, they didn't know at the time if it was suicide or accident in the article there was an interview with patricia wilson's landlady and this is where i think we mentioned a little bit earlier maybe we said it out loud now i can't remember if it was her husband or ex-husband did you say something about that out loud i thought we had talked about it earlier today but it i thought maybe they had gotten a divorce or something but you said he was just they did so in the pamphlet okay that's it, yeah thought. in the pamphlet again a little bit misleading it says her husband which seems a little odd but it was her ex-husband legally and technically speaking because patricia wilson's landlady said her husband her and her husband had moved there from oklahoma had been there for four years and then they got divorced according to the landlady it seemed like they were going to get back together and plan to meet at the seal block to rekindle things uh, they wanted to meet at the stables bar and it was there that patricia received the word that her ex-husband had kill- been killed in the car accident Mm-hmm. I believe this is Larry speaking. I wrote my first book in 2005 on the Seelbach and put the Lady in Blue story in the book. A woman purchased my book and she gave me my book to her father. And then she sent me an email and said, you won't believe this. My father, who was 93 years old, said, I hope you don't hold this against me. This was before I married your mother, but I think I know the Lady in Blue. So, oh. so now we've got grandpa on his oh. deathbed, just like, I have a story. Uh, that's, which sorry that's probably really callous of me but whatever he told her about a house of ill repute and was introduced to this girl named lucy in 1935 when he was stationed in fort knox that's why he said don't hold this against me it was before your mom he met her in a whorehouse oh yikes <laughs> right uh, he came back in 1936 with his unit at fort knox and went back to the house and asked for lucy he was told that lucy had died in an elevator shaft in the seal block ian punnett who had visited with me on the denhart case also visited with larry johnson and showed him the article from true detective magazine july 1955 which provided more detail on the case of patricia wilson's death it included testimony from two witnesses who placed denhart at the sealbach hotel on the night that wilson met with tragedy 
One of the witnesses placed Denhart on the eighth floor of the hotel, arguing with a young woman. On July 3rd, 1937, the Courier-Journal ran an article with the headline, Girl's Death is Blamed on Denhart. So, like... Oh, okay. Yeah. Excerpts from the article include the following. Brigadier General Henry H. Denhart was accused of causing the death of Miss Patricia Wilson, only 25, uh, whose broken body was found on the top of an elevator in the Sealbach Hotel. That's like really, I don't know why I don't like the way that's written. Yeah. Uh, July 14th, 1936. In a suit for $70,000 filed Friday in the Jefferson County Court by Edward C. Langan, administrator for the girl's estate. $70,000 in 1936. We're not doing the math. That's a lot of money. Yeah. The petition prepared James T. Roberts' attorney charges that General Denhart assaulted, beat, and bruised Patricia Wilson, causing her to fall down an elevator shaft in the hotel. Mr. Robertson said it was hoped that the fi- that filing of the suit would be delayed until completion of the investigation and preparation of the case, but the deadline for filing made it imperative that it be presented without further delay. According to the coroner's jury, the body of Wilson, with a fractured skull and two broken legs, was found at 7.30 a.m. on July 15, 1936, by James Enbury, an employee of the hotel. He told the coroner's jury he first noticed a glove sticking out of the top of the dummy's elevator that is used for carrying linen. This is all very creepy. Um, yeah. Like, I'm kind of surprised. I-, I guess it's a lot. I don't know, maybe like families, kids, they're expecting like all ages all demographics whatever to stay in the hotel so they don't want to be like this woman's broken body fractured skull broken legs like right but i mean we personally here i assume all of us here like Mm -hmm. these details the coroner's jury held that wilson came by her death due to her own carelessness and like negligence silly woman silly woman throwing herself down an elevator shaft (laughs) god but you're thinking okay if it was suicide and she did jump did she like I'm just picturing like a pencil dive. You know how you do in a pool if it broke both of her legs? Did she literally just go whoop? My guess is she, I mean, she probably just didn't think about it a whole lot and flung herself and she had 10 whole floors to figure out how she was going to land. Right. I'm just, uh, I don't know. Yeah. No, it's very. Not good. I just cannot believe. I guess I don't want to know, but I'm thinking if you have two broken legs and a broken skull. Real talk though. How did. Did she, like, force that open? Because it wasn't the elevator. It was the shaft, and the elevator was all the way at the bottom. I don't know. I mean, elevators so had to have been just... very different <sighs> in 1936. That's true. But I don't... <laughs> yeah, I know. She, she hulked it out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Robertson reopened the case because he received several stories from clients who linked Denhart to Patricia Wilson's death. The results of the investigation were never finished because on September 20th, Denhart was murdered by the Gar brothers on that completely separate case. Golly. I know. They couldn't have known. Like, they wanted vengeance for their sister little did they know they ruined the investigation of another investigation they ruined the trial of another investigation Mm -hmm. and they could i mean you do dumb things for family and when you're upset like it's just all a long series of unfortunate events but the lady in blue i mean i guess we'll get to this at the rating at the end but homegirl was very real yeah and her name was patricia wilson and speculation that she was probably murdered and to me, it sounds a little bit like she was murdered. Like, I get... get. I'm guessing Lucy then was, like, her s- stage name, if you will. Because he said he, it, 
the guy came back and asked for Lucy, right? And they said, oh, no. She... Oh, yeah, you're right. Maybe. And her name was Patricia. So I wonder if that was like a name she went yeah, by. Probably. Because, I mean, if it's a house of ill repute, you don't want people to know that's what you do. And Yeah, or your real name. Like, just... Right. Yeah, to me, it sounds like a murder to me. And they said he beat, bruised, and whatever. The fractured skull and the broken legs make sense with a 10-story fall. I'm not right, doubting that, that, that didn't happen from the fall. But if she was also bruised and had other things going on, they didn't really mention it. But, mm-hmm. I mean, I would have to see the case. I would have to see the trial. But right. the trial Pull never happened. That. The trial never happened. Crack yep. open that boulder. Yeah, so we'll never know. And maybe that's why she is you know, unsettled, which brings us to our story. Yes. Okay. I could take a breath. (laughs) Yeah, I I think I'm good. That was a lot to take in everybody, but I hope you enjoyed it. I feel like I, I feel like I wanted to cover a lot of the hotel and what it had, what was going on in there and like all of the craftsmanship that was put into it just because it's so, it's wild. It's crazy, man. And I mean, Mm -hmm. Patricia Wilson and her ex-husband must have been well off, I think. This is my speculation, to be meeting at the Stables Bar in the Steelbach Hilton in 1936. Right. Just to rekindle an old flame. Yeah. Just very cool hotel. Yep. So, sorry for the, the info dump, but that's what we're here for, right? Correct. All right. So, like we mentioned towards the beginning, when we first showed up to the hotel, it is a breathtaking. It's a lot to take in. And it was reasonably priced, I think. No, I think it was. And I I say breathtaking, just like all of the details and work that very obviously went into it. The place isn't huge, in my opinion. No, but I felt like... It's not like you walked in and... You felt like what? Uh, just standing there in the lobby, looking at everything. Like, I could have stood there for an uncomfortable amount of time and just taking it all new. in. Yeah. Yeah. We ended up walking, because you've got the, the desk where you first check in, but then immediately behind you, I guess when the Christmas tree isn't there, is like that split staircase, and then it's got the baby grand that meets in the mm-hmm. middle, and it mm-hmm. was just... Mm. Which I wanted to play, but they had locked, and that's fine. Right, I guess. It's, COVID and I was going to say, you don't honestly, wanna... one, annoying little kids, and two, probably mostly COVID. Right, because a lot of randos would be sitting down and just playing a little, little ditty. I also the... ditty. <laughs> so. no, ditty just... that Mar- Mother Mary used to sing to us at, at nap time. time. <laughs> no one's ever going to get that quote. No. Go listen to Alter Boy's musical. It's yeah, wonderful. we're not even going to press you to look for that one. It's a, a musical. Yeah, it's so. Anyway. <laughs> kind of an offbeat musical, I yeah, guess. Yeah, it was like, it, it can be a little uh I'll tell offensive. you, where did it come from? It was like someone sent it to us and they're like, here. We may or may not have gotten a bootleg of another musical. And they oh, were no, like, we here's won't. a bonus disc for you. And we're like, what's this? And stumbled upon Alter Boys and I've never looked back. I love Alter Boys. It's wonderful. Um, it, I think it, it's the same idea as like Book of Mormon before Book of Mormon was a thing. If you're easily offended, maybe don't. Yeah. But it's not as offensive as Book of Mormon to TBH. I mean, depending well, on who you are and your religion and things like that, it could be offensive. Sorry, but... Catholics. <laughs> anyway. So good. All right. We got off topic. <laughs> so, right, today's just a rough one. <laughs> goodness sakes. So the, the lobby itself was already just enough to be like, wow, look at that. And um, I Owen Wilson while wow, there. I'm sorry. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that wasn't bad. <laughs> one thing I will 
appreciate is the hallways where the rooms are is so wide. I yeah. was like, this yeah, is very wonderful. Wide. So you don't have that awkward, like, excuse me, pardon me, brushing shoulders with strangers. Like, oh, yeah, they've mm, got to be like so eight good. feet wide, I would say. And the main hallway, like the main parts, it was so good. So we get there and you could we social realize- distance there. There we sorry, that was <laughs> I had that thought at the very last second. What'd you say? You could social distance in those hallways. Almost. Pretty darn close. Pretty, just about. You just like hug the wall there, you could do it. <laughs> so we get there and meet the lady at the the front desk to get our key. She's very nice and we tell her about the podcast and she's like, Oh, look at this and gives us all this stuff and she was really excited i don't know why it made her sound a hundred years old she was like about our age (laughs) she was like maybe early 30s yeah and we realized as she's like giving us the key we're like oh we don't even know what room we booked or anything because you know supposedly the blue lady jumped from the eighth floor uh well it said she stayed in room 810 okay but she fell 10, 10 stories floors. but there's lower levels so it could because i feel like the eighth been. floor was the highest f- floor i think she's yeah i think it's the eighth floor for some reason so there's two different elevator shafts there and then there's a third one that's much smaller and i'm thinking that's elevator shaft three maybe it's like a this service elevator service well, elevator yeah. that's what i couldn't think of the name of it but for the employees to use to go up and down and to not bother the the guest so we don't realize what room we've stayed in and we're actually on the seventh floor our room was 748 yeah okay so we're pretty close to the eighth floor into the room that she's stayed in that the blue lady supposedly stayed in we did a little bit of wandering you know, before we actually did some real investigation, just to get a feel of the building. We ended up, when we first got there, actually, we did a quick look around, but we had a, over a three-hour drive with our stops and stuff. So by the time we got to the hotel, and it was pretty late when we got there, we're like, we hungry. So we <laughs> actually, <laughs> as we're like planning out our investigation, we ordered food from this really great restaurant nearby. It was some pizza place. Oh, dang. Um, I even, I actually think I have the menu in the back of my car still. Oh, it was... It was so good, whatever it was. Those wings. Mm. So if Just you want to get, you know, get hyped, get ready, uh, get some sustenance in you for an investigation, that was a good, good little pizza place there. So we order our pizza and we're planning, you know, we're getting a, a plan of attack here as to how we're going to take on this hotel. Because unlike other places we've been like Hell's Gates or Spooklight or the Four Arches, even more, more recently in our episodes, this isn't something you can just go wandering and walking in to rooms and to different places, yeah, you know? People are staying here. Yeah, there's other guests. We Even with the old jail in, we got so lucky with that one being the only one that we could investigate the whole the whole building and yeah, as much I think as we, i think we felt got a little uh spoiled with that because i almost not that i expected it to happen here but i was like you could hear other people in rooms and we're like dang yeah we can't, someone we down can't the do hall that. had children mm. and i could tell <laughs> yeah, they weren't i mean they were just they weren't being super obnoxious they were just being kids they're but kids I mean, in a hotel you know yeah. how often yeah. depending on how often they get to go out and stay in hotels they're probably like heck yeah check this out so 
we didn't have the luxury of being able to explore the hotel the way we do some of the other places we've been. So we really had to be careful about what we were doing. We'd already informed the the people at the desk that we were there doing a podcast. So I'm sure they expected at least something a tad spooky out of us, but I'm sure they wouldn't appreciate us, you know, walking and disturbing other guests there. So the first thing we did is we decided we're going to go ahead and try to use the ghost tube, even though it was late. Uh, we kept it at a low, level. at a low level. It does with ghost tube because we really didn't have a lot. We, we wanted to take the Ouija board. Like, could you imagine if we were using the Ouija board outside of her room and someone walked out like, uh, what are you doing? I was <laughs> so tempted. And Megan's like, what if someone walks out and sees us? I'm like, uh, they can go back to their room. Right. You didn't see anything. Because it helped that her room was back in a corner, kind of. Off it wasn't by its, its little own corner, which no one was staying in it. Thank goodness. Yeah. So we, we couldn't use a Ouija board in the hallway. That just wasn't feasible, even though really tempted to super tempted actually we had to be very discreet with what we decided to use um, because of the other guest so we decided to go with ghost tube even though it does give you like a little warning sign that's like oh you're at a low volume but you can just ignore that and just you'll have to watch the screen to make sure if anything pops up because mm-hmm. uh, you know you can only recall so many words after a while but we decided to to go ahead and try it and just keep it at this low level so we actually start walking through we turned it on as we left our own room on the seventh floor before going to the eighth floor i think it immediately said something when i opened it up i can't remember what it was exactly yeah i can't either and nothing substantial whatever it said it was just like oh okay (laughs) so we head up to the eighth floor and begin walking around it. And Ghost Tube is saying a couple of things here and there. It's a little more talkative than normal, but compared to our friend Cody, who goes with us on some of these, is nothing. We only got a handful of words, really, yeah. in comparison. Yeah. So we start heading to the room that the blue lady, Patricia, supposedly had stayed in. Or I think it's actually recorded she stayed in room 810, correct? Yes, yeah. So along with the ghost tube, if you haven't picked up in the last few episodes, it not only tells you, gives you words or phrases that are being like being picked up from the energy around you, but it also has like a, uh, almost like a built-in EMF. Yeah. And it lets you know if there's too much energy or too much interference. Electromagnetic, electromagnetic interference. Yes. And you get a, (laughs) this like a warning that pops up and it goes from a, a level of green all the way up to red, depending on how much interference there is. So Kelsey's kind of used her ghost tube really wasn't speaking. Mine was saying stuff. Hers was kind of, we were using it more for the EMF, mm-hmm. the EMF aspect of it, I guess. Yeah. So feature. Shoo. That's the word that oh, okay. I wanted. <laughs> I was like, I, you lost me peach. I, I don't know. know. I just blanked out there for a minute. So we're walking down the hallway using this EMF, getting a couple of words here and there, nothing super crazy. And we finally find room 810 and Kelsey holds her phone up to the door and it immediately spikes with interference. Yeah, there was no, and there was no middle ground. It went from 
we're chill to completely maxed out. And again, we thankfully with COVID, actually, it was really easy to tell who was in a room and who wasn't because I don't know how many of you are staying in hotels right now, but they do the responsible thing where they super clean the rooms. Everything's very sanitized and organized. Mm -hmm. And then on the doors, once they're done cleaning the room, they actually put a sticker on it that says this room has been sanitized right and part of it goes on the door and part of it goes on the frame so you know if someone's been you can't get in the room without breaking that sticker yeah you you either have to take the sticker off or it breaks the sticker when you go into the room so that way you can tell that if if it needs cleaned and you can also tell that nobody's been in it since it's been cleaned Mm -hmm. so that's good for you so this room thankfully room 810 had a sticker on it and it was not broken or removed. So we knew that nobody was staying in room 10. The ghost tube picked up interference immediately. So first thing we did is start walking to other doorways. Cause we're like, just to right. make sure. Because again, we don't want to take everything at face value. We don't want to be like, Ooh, this is haunted. So my, I, my immediate response is I didn't freak out. I was like, we need to look at other rooms. Well, it was like, like it was kind of cool. immediate reaction was no way. And yeah. you, like you would pull it away and it would go back to normal you'd hold it up to the door and it would yeah, start dinging. I think dinging. you were looking at your phone you were checking ghost at the moment when I pu- held up the EMF reader when it spiked and I was like Megan <laughs> and showed you and I like, pulled it away it's fine put it to the door and it maxed out pulled it away it's fine I was like this is come yeah. on now so he said now let wait a minute here so we walk back down the hall and start holding it up to other doors we even held it up to doors not bothering them not knocking on the door or anything but held the phone up to doors that people were staying in other empty rooms uh we even held it up to the elevator which was right not it was a little bit ways from her her room right and it was to see if like the mechanical aspect of the elevator would interfere with the emf and Mm -hmm. did it yeah but not like it didn't max it out no, and we had to hold it in a very particular way to, to even get make a it go off. Only on the elevator, but the other rooms empty or otherwise, nothing, no reaction. <laughs> and so now we keep going back to the room and it would still spike as soon as we would put it right back on the door. So it's not something that was fleeting. Every single time we went to room 810, the, the ghost tube would spike. So... While we're walking through the hallway and trying to decide, you know, what's actually causing this, we want to use our logical brain before we immediately jump to supernatural. Mm -hmm. And while we're doing it, there's the hall, there's, it's kind of hard to explain. Her room is kind of tucked back in its little own corner, but it's at the end of another hallway. Yeah. So it kind of, an L, it it L's it. An L with a little tail. Yeah. And she's the tail. And her, her room's in the tail. So we walk out towards where the elevators are and we're standing there kind of discussing what's going on with the spiking of ghost tube and trying to figure out what could really be causing it is it really supernatural or what's going on right and it's i don't know it might be 11 o'clock midnight at this I, point. I feel like it was even later than that honestly it was late there shouldn't have been people up and just wandering around I feel unless like it was you're around us one. i guess i feel like it was around one because we had to wait almost an hour for our food and then we ate and oh, then we watched the it. video on the tv and then we went yeah so it was very late or early depending on how you look at it so while we're standing in the hallway near the elevators trying to figure things out we hear 
high-heeled shoes coming down the hallway. It's like around the corner. So on the other side of that L, if you will. Yeah. And they were like, what I thought was odd about it, my mind didn't immediately go anywhere other than like, oh crap, someone's leaving their room. We need to not look so awkward. Oh yeah. I like immediately put my phone down and hit it like, oh God. Oh There's yeah, I, I think I pulled out my phone to make it look like I we were looking, I don't know, I we tried to look as inconspicuous as possible, but the thing that got me was like, we could really hear these high heels. These hallways are carpeted. They are carpeted, and it was louder than it should have been. Like, it sounded almost like high heels on, like, hardwood. Mm-hmm. Because even though it is carpeted, it's that very thin, coarse carpet, not plush or whatever, but still carpet nonetheless. So right, you, and... You wouldn't expect that level of sound to be coming from it, I guess. Right. And so that I don't think that process is at first. No, just, that didn't exactly go through my mind. All I know is I heard high heels and yeah. it didn't it didn't register like that shouldn't be how carpet and high heels sound. I was just like, oh no, somebody's coming. coming. So we put our phones down and we start like slowly walking away from the room. So waiting for this person to and uh, more than likely get on the elevator and leave. So we're walking away from the elevator and the high heels stop and we're like, hello. Like maybe they stopped because they forgot something. I thought they were looking for like a room key. I don't mm-hmm. know. So we stop. Very logical things. <laughs> yeah. So we stop and we like turn towards where the heels should have come around the corner and we should have met her head on, whoever this was. And nobody came. And the heels never returned back to their room. They just kind of stopped and disappeared. Yeah. And I think we like pretty quickly scuttled over and I'm like, I'm looking down this hallway because what if she's like stopping and looking at her phone? Yeah. Um, we didn't even care at this point. Like if she sees us, we're like, oh, sorry, sorry wrong about, hall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Something. Because I, like I, we heard the footsteps approaching. We didn't hear them leave. So I'm like, if someone's there, they're still standing there. Mm-hmm. And I think we both had this, it, we didn't even have to say it. We're like, no way. And mm-hmm. walked down the hallway, turned the corner. There not is a soul. nobody there. Even the kids are quiet at this point. And actually we didn't walk down that hallway fully. And I don't know why really i didn't really want to no it, I, I i think we walked two rooms down and i was like that's, that's enough. enough exactly <laughs> so. it was because it dead ended and very few this this sounds so i don't know how to explain this very few hallways came to a dead end like that hallway did yes and i didn't like it it's weird how th- the way the hotel is set up the hallways are kind of winding and it's a maze we were able to i guess navigate ours pretty easily but at the same time you can get lost in that there are so many there are multiple ways to get to the same hallway in some places yeah because what is it there's almost like a back we went to go to the elevator elevator we went to go to the elevator the first time and i kept going straight and megan took a turn you're like no it's this way i was like i'm pretty sure we came from this way Mm -hmm. and it doesn't matter because both it just circles back there yeah yeah i don't i want to see the floor plan of this hotel because it was very strange the way it all just it was erratic yeah intertwined i guess unfortunately or i mean whatever the case may be we we did get the spiking on ghost tube and we got the high heels but beyond that i think there was also some talking it was it in addition to the high heels i feel like it was something else i think we heard men's voices yeah it was there were to me like and i believe voice. to megan pretty clearly 
multiple people, at least two people conversing amongst themselves, not loud. Not it, enough to understand was, what they're saying. Right. It was almost as if, you know, they knew it was one o'clock in the morning and they were quietly talking amongst themselves like we were quietly talking amongst ourselves. Mm-hmm. And we're like, again, we're like, man, somebody's up. We need to put our stuff away and not look so creepy. And it's even though we are how many months into this pandemic, I, it didn't really occur to me. My first thought was, oh, people were out. It's little, it's downtown Louisville. They were out mm-hmm. partying, having a good time, coming back. Who's Where are y'all going to go? Because the first <laughs> thing the woman told us when we got there, because we got to the hotel pretty late, like 8 or 9 o'clock, I yeah, would say. I'd say it like that. And she's so. like, well, there's not a lot of places open because... And it's Louisville, Kentucky on a Friday night. It was and a like, Friday what? night. <laughs> and most places were closing at 7, 8 o'clock. Yeah. So we, even here in Terre Haute, Indiana, we have places staying open up later than that. And we didn't really consider it when we got there. We're like, well, they'll be open until maybe nine or 10. No, most everywhere was closed. So the pizza place really was one of our only options, but still good. Yeah. So I think in my head for a moment, I thought, okay, they must be coming back from like spending a night out on the town. Where? walking the cold streets of empty louisville like but you know what it didn't matter where because you want to know what happened again nothing like we heard the conversation it sounded as if they were about to round the corner and not just the corner the same freaking corner from the same freaking hallway and then it stopped and they know yeah no one ever came around the corner and it was an abrupt stop i feel like it was a very abrupt stop like somebody hit pause on a movie or something yeah yeah so it was unsettling, You're, really. I, in the moment, your brain tries to come up with a logical explanation. You know, people coming in or going out to to party, go to the bar, go to right. eat. And you're like, oh, wait, it's 1 a.m. And also they're coming out of the room, not going to the room. Yeah. And, and it this hotel, I felt pretty comfortable in it. I wasn't worried. I think because it was mm-hmm. like other people were there, I was really just interested in getting to that room, getting to that elevator shaft. That made me, that kind of gave me some cold chills. I was like, okay, that was the first time I felt like genuinely creeped out. Yeah. And I think that was also the closest we got to going and getting the Ouija board. And we said, okay, nobody's up. Let's just go get it and try it. And God, I we decided against it. Spoilers. We did not get the Ouija board up there. I really wish we would have because our luck is someone would have walked out just like in their nightgown or something like, oh, it'd be like, oh. I'm gonna go back in my room. (laughs) Now that isn't to say we didn't try to use the Ouija board. We just didn't do it in the hallway. So we got back into our room and we actually let Ghost Tube run just to see what else we could get. You know, if she's, maybe she wanders multiple hallways. Maybe there's other ghosts here that aren't as notable as the Blue Lady. Mm -hmm. So we decided to let Ghost Tube run for a while and we got the Ouija board out and we decided to use that. Again, Ghost Tube said a couple of things. Mm-hmm. Nothing really intelligible. Nah, it was just babbling, random things, unfortunately. So eventually we turned off. I, we let Ghost Tube run while we used For a while. the Ouija board. Even when we weren't doing anything like that, like when we were just conversing amongst ourselves, when we were sitting scrolling, well, not scrolling through our phones, I guess, but when we were just sitting, hanging, hanging out, out, we're yeah. like, let's just let it run. Yeah, so we brought. And like, our... I don't know if that really speaks to the validity of it or not. That like nothing really happened. You you know what I mean by that? 
mm-hmm. like does it make it seem even more valid that it wasn't just spewing out things left and right when there was really nothing going on yeah like, to me that makes it seem a little more believable yeah it's i don't know if it it's 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 uh what's the word disappointing but yeah but to me it's like well our room wasn't haunted so why would anything happen right so we tried to use the Ouija board and we sat on the bed sat side by side and actually put it on our knees so there was the most contact with this board instead of just having it on the bed or on a table we actually had it on our knees and then our hands on the planchette focusing as much energy as we possibly could into this board and we have used Ouija boards before and stuff has happened to the point that it's unexplainable. Like no one could have known, no one could have done these things. And yeah, I've used, I've also used it with people that I maybe necessarily kind of side-eyed. I gave a little bit of side-eye to just because I don't know, you have to trust the people you're with. So we had everything. It was there. We trust each other. We, are not going to make anything happen, but we really want to see something happen because we're supposedly in a, 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 or we're in a supposedly haunted hotel. And I don't think, did it? Okay. It did start to like, it like jerked around. It, it never, uh, unfortunately, again, with the spoilers, it never moved moved to anything really. Mm -mm. But like, I think we both got this weird, like I got, way lightheaded i don't like to be the person that i don't know i just don't like people who make things up i don't like people who make themselves feel things make themselves see things whatever but i think we both got like i just told me i was like i have to stop for a second because i felt like just all of my energy was just getting sucked away i was so laser focused on it i feel like i was giving it all of my energy and that was part of the drain thing is we gave it everything we had i think and still couldn't yeah sorry if that sounds a little cheesy but it's true like i was and that's kind of how ouija boards work we were focusing on putting our energy into the into the board into the planchette i say allowing spirits to use us to speak to them but to use our energy to use our energy responsibly we're not mediums we're not doing that no but, so you you get what you allow you, you if you offer up that much then you should get that much in return if it's there to give mm-hmm. i got lightheaded i felt like i was kind of like starting to do the lean i was like i feel like i'm about to fall out of this bed so i told megan i was like i need a second mm-hmm. um and i feel you said you ended up feeling the same kind of in the same time yeah because i was so focused focused, in on this and focusing all my energy and even giving it everything we had it you know it jostled a bit yeah it actually it moved in a way that like both of us i was again we tried to replicate we try to do like our debunking if you will Mm -hmm. we couldn't make it move like it moved but it didn't move anywhere it was almost like it was almost like it maybe it really was a thing that might have happened, but we didn't have enough energy to give it, which I find hard to believe because I was like tapped yeah, out, yeah. tapped <laughs> out after using that Ouija board. Or it didn't. Ha- I mean, even though we gave everything we had, it where in our room in room seven forty eight, really nothing. Yeah, maybe there was something nearby. I don't know, a floor and a half over, right? Or <laughs> maybe yeah, just a, a floor above and a hallway over. Yeah, maybe like roommate ten something like that Uh, but we didn't do it so that's what it is 
I wish there was more. We wanted more, but it was so late at that point. And we knew we couldn't take any other equipment up to the room, even though we, we heard the sounds and we got the reaction at the door. I wish we could have, but ultimately we didn't feel comfortable taking any more equipment up there without getting caught because I know there's cameras in the hallway. I know they were watching us and like, what are these girls doing? Just walking up and down the just hall. To, yeah. Just standing next to the elevator. We spent a lot of time next to the elevators because I mean, that's where she is rumored to, I mean, she not rumored. They found the body. She threw herself down that elevator shaft. Mm-hmm. When we were standing in front of the elevators is when the weird things did happen. Like the high heels down the hall, like the men's talking. Mm-hmm. And I will say, uh, along with the ghost tube, I once again took video recording. I'm trying to take more advantage of that, I guess. It could be picking up stuff that even ghost tube isn't, that we're not hearing or seeing with the naked eye and our ears and stuff, something that's picked up later. You know, we... If there's something on it, we've still got to, um, I still have to review it. If I find something, maybe I'll throw it on the Patreon because I don't know if you'll actually hear what we heard. Yeah, it would be interesting to know. Mm -hmm. Because when I heard the the sound, I immediately would like put my phone down. So I'm afraid you might hear like the rustling of my pants or my jacket or something, you know, instead of actually what was going on around us. So... That ends yeah. our night. Yeah, I was going to say, for better or for worse. That um, was our night at the Sealbach Hilton. Mm-hmm. Um, very comfortable stay, I'll say that. Oh, man, that bed <laughs> was, was really nice. a, pl- a plus on the bed, man. So comfy. But that was our first-hand encounter with the Sealbach. Yes. So, oh, lots, lots to think about, lots to take mm-hmm. in, and lots to consider in our rating. Yes. So the first part of the re- well, gosh, it's <laughs> it's it's only been a week. What? Um, We're gonna do the scare level. No, no, no. The historical historical, Ooh, accuracy. historical accuracy. Look at My you bad. jumping ahead. So historical accuracy. I I don't even want to think about this. Yeah. Three, two, one, five. five. Yeah. I mean, the woman died in the elevator shaft. They saw her. They found her. It is archived. There was a murder trial about... Well, not a murder trial. There was going to be a trial. A trial to, about it. What's sentence? D- just to determine, I guess, not whether sentence. it was I murder can't think of words or suicide. Right now. Yeah, whether it was murder or suicide, there was speculation. Whatever. All that... To, this hotel is very real. That death was very real. They have books. They They advertise it in their lobby so nothing about this is left to chance like everything is very real for sure so then the next thing would be that would be the scare, scare level. level and i feel pretty confident on this one too yeah yeah okay okay three two one one, one. <laughs> <laughs> because even though some things happened and I believe that, like, I felt an energy there. I I experienced something there. Mm-hmm. Was it scary? No. I didn't Not feel threatened really. or scared in it, really at all. It could almost be a zero. Um, it's I more the adrenaline rush. than... Yeah, yeah. It's more adrenaline than being scared, in my opinion. But I don't want to give it a zero. No. I think that's fair and straightforward. I We don't really need to expand anymore, I guess. Yeah. Next would be believability. I feel like this one's a little more convoluted. Yes. <laughs> oh, I feel like I've got my answer. Maybe I'm too quick on the draw here, but 
I know. I think I know what I want to say. Unbelievability. Yeah. Okay. It, the history versus what we experience. Do you believe it? Okay. Ready? Three, two, one, four. Three. Mm. We were pretty close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I want to know why you say four. So, and it maybe I'm being too generous. I don't know. So we know that Patricia Wilson was a yes. real person. That she stayed in room 810. We only had the EMF spikes in front of her door. I didn't even consider the EMF. When we stood at the elevator, we heard a woman coming toward down the hallway towards, towards the, the elevator. elevator. And then following her was a man's voice. Which a man found the woman in the elevator shaft. Mm-hmm. Or in this case, if it's up in the air about whether it was by her own doing or someone else's, oh. could have been the man coming after her to have a little tiff in the hall. Now, are you are you changing my answer for once? I feel like I always alter your <laughs> answers. I, I was doing three just because I just didn't want to swing one extreme or the other, but... Yeah, I, I, one, I forgot about the EMF and I don't know why because I was the one doing the EMF and I was the one that I tried, even when we were done and we're like, all right, let's pack up and go. I still kept the EMF up and like went by every door on our oh, way back to our room. didn't we stop there again in the daytime? Like the morning before we left, yep, we are we like, let's there. check it one more time in the daytime and see if like. And it still spiked oh, at yeah. her room. Yeah, bright and early, daytime. Mm-hmm. It's not just haunted at night, folks. Like if something's haunted, it's haunted and that room was still like off the Spiking. charts. So it could be someone coming to find her or it could be, I don't know, someone who had an argument with her right before it happened. Mm-hmm. Muttering to himself. Yeah. That's, you know that's why I give... The only reason I won't do any more is because is there a possibility that that was a real woman wearing high heels walking down the hall and a real man talking to himself maybe to another man walking down the hall yes because everything's a possibility and for once this is in favor of like real people instead of the ghosts everything's a possibility but it's almost harder to make it real people instead of because of the way the sound started and stopped and the time that it happened and in the manner that it happened it's almost harder uh, to be like yeah those were people yeah you know you know what F it. Let, I'll give it a four, too. I'm going to jump up. Yeah. Okay. I rest my case. <laughs> so. Okay, well, then, which brings us to the overall, which why I feel, I'm like, why is this hard? I think I know what I want for the overall. Okay, yeah, I do, too. Okay. Three, two, one, three. three. Okay. Hey, hey, so it wasn't it. technically <laughs> a full sweep because I had to switch there, but... I mean, based on basic math, five, four, one, I feel like three is a nice middle ground. Even throwing math out of the equation, I feel like there's so much history and it's really good history. The building itself is just so. I, we're going to have to go. I would go again. And I feel like we almost need to go again because there's just, it's a lot to absorb. Yes. And I wonder if they would just let us go without like booking a room. If well, we just walked because in, they like, have, hey, what's they, up? Yeah, they've got the different things to the building like the speakeasy the oak room the rath skeller the restaurant the restaurant yeah Mm -hmm. you could go in without doing that so the history and everything about it i think even if you take the haunted aspect away definitely somewhere to visit uh when you throw in the haunted aspect definitely a place to visit yes yeah yeah i think three is because i mean 
it wasn't the craziest place we've been. It no. wasn't the scariest. It, it wasn't the not craziest or scariest place we've been. It's just a nice middle ground, and I liked it. It was good. I think we just want over the top scary, and when we sit back and think about the things that actually occurred, they were some inexplicable things. Personally, I think they were. Yeah, because we try. I mean, we try to debunk because we want this to be real we want we want something tangible for ourselves and for you guys so we have some interesting stories for you and it was yeah that something we tried very hard to explain away a few of those things and we just couldn't mm-hmm. well let us know let us know what you think and or if you've been if you've been to the steel block if steel block um, seal steel i did <laughs> okay been to this, my bad if you've been to the seal block hilton uh, experienced anything there or if, if you just liked the visit and you thought the architecture was cool too yeah so find us uh let us know what you thought what you think if it really is super natural or not let us and know I'm, on like any social media our email or so they say pot at gmail.com whatever you want to do and if you want to get a little more intimate i guess and see what we saw and check out some of the things we got to experience Uh, if you are a patreon donor we'll be uploading some content Uh, if the video is good i may post it anyway depending on what it is just so you can see because it definitely has the emf spikes in it so you can see how that happens Yeah, we might have to cut it down because i feel like it's like it's pretty lengthy we had it running about 15 minutes or so yeah uh so if you're a current patreon donor at any level you'll have access to this bonus content, pictures, videos that we post. So I'll probably be posting this video from the Sealbox. If you would like to become a donor to our Patreon and help us out, um, help fund our travel expenses, going to new places, new equipment, things like that, you can find us at patreon.com slash or so they say pod. And that's all she wrote. Angela Lansbury came back. <laughs> I've missed her so. <laughs> All right, I think I think that's yeah, it. Yeah, that's it. Thanks for listening, guys. Catch See you, you next, week. next Thursday. Oh, is next Thursday Christmas episode? You know, Christmas ooh, Eve. Christmas Eve. Ooh. ooh, and I'm excited. Ooh, yeah. Okay, well, just we're planning something fun for you guys. So yeah, so stick around for next week. See what we got. Don't forget to come back. Tell your friends. Share our page. We love you guys. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Mixing and music by Kelsey Ingram. Cover art is by Cody Mason. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at OrSoTheySayPod. Visit us at our website, OrSoTheySayPod.com, where you can find links to all social media. If you like the show, please subscribe to our newsletter and consider donating to our podcast at Patreon.com forward slash or so they say pod running a podcast takes time and money and we'd love to give you the best listening experience possible episodes can be found on itunes spotify stitcher and more don't forget to rate review and subscribe to help drive us up the charts and of course thanks for listening